0: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow, wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: Who doesn't want to be popular and well-liked? Well, consider this. When it comes to the wedding season, being popular can be ruinously expensive.
2: I'm Rob, I live in West London, I work in tech, and I am invited currently to nine weddings this year now.
1: Nine. Nine. Nine weddings? That means outfits, gifts, accommodation, travel, and more to fork out for, not once, but nine times this summer.
2: There's a couple in London, a couple in Bristol, a couple in Birmingham. Um, I think Birmingham is the furthest of all of them.
1: Forget about saving and budgeting for your own wedding. What should you do when your friends' nuptials are playing havoc with your finances? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times. I'm Claire Barrett, FT's consumer editor. We're bang in the middle of wedding season right now, and for guests like Rob, the costs are really stacking up. New research from Monzo Bank shows that half of us have turned down an invitation to a wedding, stag or hen party due to the costs involved. So how can wedding guests approach the, let's face it, awkward conversations about whether they can afford to take part in a spendy wedding? Plus, what can couples do to try and keep the costs down for their friends and relatives? I'll be speaking to Alice Tapper, who's the founder of GoFundYourself, an online community for financial conversations, and Hamish Shepherd, the chief executive and founder of wedding planning at Bridebook. But first, let's hear a little bit more from 27-year-old Rob. With nine wedding invites in one year, that's a lot of stag nights and hen do's.
2: One of the stag do's that I went to in Poland, we were away for three nights over a bank holiday. I had to take some time off work to to get to the airport. So going out to restaurants the whole time, we had a budget that we'd agreed in advance, but that was only really for travel, accommodation, and the pre-arranged activities, where we then had to add on food and things like that on top.
1: Then after the stag, there was the wedding.
2: That one I was also a groomsman, so I had to suit hire to add on to that. So that wedding would have been 6 £700 pounds at least.
1: And of course, that's just one of the weddings. But there's one thing that will save Rob a little of the expense.
2: So th- I can only go to eight of all of them because two of them are on the same day. I mean,
1: what do you think on average, the cost per wedding is going to be for you this wedding season, Rob?
2: Uh, I mean, it's, it's very variable, but I do. I think the average will probably be 300 350
1: So 350 times nine, yeah, over £3,000. I mean, obviously, weddings are a a joyful thing, but it is a really significant cost, especially for people who are at your age and stage of life with all kinds of other cost of living pressures, but also financial goals lurking in the background that having to spend £3,000 a year on weddings can kind of derail.
2: Absolutely. I'm actually saving for a house at the moment Right. In, fact, in fact, I've actually had an offer accepted on a flat, uh, which is really exciting. But as you say, this year is almost therefore uh, the worst possible sign because to have another 3000 as as a buffer or to add it to the deposit or anything like that would, would have helped a lot. Mm.
1: And I mean, with you and your partner, did it ever cross your minds to say, Well, actually, you know, haven't seen those people for a few years. We have been invited to nine weddings. It'd be quite nice to maybe say that we're busy that weekend and cut it down to five or six.
2: (laughs) Well, there is a little bit of me that's glad that at least two of them are on the same day just to try and cut the numbers down. But no, I think the problem for me is I love weddings. I think they're such a joyous day. I don't really want to regret in the future. You only get the chance to go to that wedding once. Whereas I know that, okay, it might delay my financial goals, perhaps, but I can always fix that in the future. What I could never Mm. do is fix missing out on a wedding.
1: Well, Rob is obviously organised with his money and clearly loves a wedding. He also said that he would like to get married one day, and he's got some hypotheticals about how it might go.
2: I probably wouldn't want much of a DIY wedding, but I think it would be easy to get caught up in. Every single part of the wedding needs to be the best quality thing we can get right the best possible venue the best possible food the best possible wine flowers photographer videographer even suits clothes all, all these things that can just you know balloon and and snowball mm. into something massive so for example i think for me the band and the food would probably be the two most important things and so we'd prioritize those and make sure we've got the budget for those
1: now this is a point in the show where I say, what are the kind of questions that you would like to ask the podcast experts about this that could help you or indeed many other listeners who will be facing a completely similar situation this summer?
2: Well, any any tips for generally cutting costs on web themes? Any, anything else you'd, you'd like to put to the experts, Rob? I was wondering if you you could think about how you would address some of these financial discussions with some of these brides and grooms. So, Uh, The example being when I was invited to be a groomsman and I gratefully accepted and then I found out later on that uh, he would like me to hire a suit, which I was okay with doing, but what would the advice be for someone who might be more concerned with doing that or if I wasn't in the financial position at that time?
1: Well, here in the studio to help me tackle this financial conundrum is Alice Tapper.
0: Alice, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? Sure. So I'm Alice Tapper. I started Go Fund Yourself. It actually started as a book about five years ago. And uh, off the back of that has now turned into an online community, both on Instagram, a website and a mailing list. And really, it's for, for better conversations about money and also work. And weddings form a big part of that. One of the series we run is called financial confessions. And there have been a number of financial confession stories themed around weddings, whether that's getting into debt for stag do's, hen uh, even ghosting your friend because you don't know how to say you can't afford it. Gosh, well, we're going to come into much more of those confessions later on. But let me introduce
1: Hamish. Now, Hamish, tell us a little bit about what you do at Bridebook.
3: Yes, so I'm uh, lucky to be the founder of Bridebook. We're a wedding planning app. Luckily, we're the fastest growing wedding planning app in the world. We plan about 10,000 weddings a week now. We have 50 million guests attending our weddings this summer. So we give a lot of advice to couples all over the world, focused uh, in the UK and Europe, really, about having an amazing occasion and uh, juggling some of the challenges I'm sure we're going to chat through. Now, I'll start with you, Alice. You've just heard from Rob and this
1: problem of having lots and lots of of weddings to to spend money on. What did you make of what he had to say?
0: Well, the first thing for for Rob's situation, I think the positive is that seemingly he actually enjoys weddings. (laughs) Um, So that's one good thing. But I think really it, it speaks to this kind of expectation reality gap in the wedding industry, uh, where on the one hand, weddings have kind of inflated and turned into this huge affair with multi-day hens, stag do's and so on. And that's just become the normal, you know, everyone kind of wants that and expects that now. On the other hand, life, as I'm sure we're all aware of, has become very expensive. And it's difficult to kind of square those two things. Mm, and,
1: and also, he's able to wear the same suit yeah. to all of those
0: weddings just
1: with a different tie. Now, lots of the people who are getting married know each other, so there be similar friendship groups there. I would feel under pressure to buy quite a few different outfits
0: yeah actually just last weekend i i was having a brunch with a male friend of mine and he said can you come with me because i've just been told that my my suit is too dark for the wedding next weekend that i'm attending and i need to get a block bright colored suit and so we had to go and buy a, a brand new suit for this for this wedding that he was uh, attending so actually i don't think it's just not just women i think i think increasingly expectations on men as well are kind of inflating and turning into something that's really not not affordable
1: mm. now hamish with all of your data tracking the weddings market would you say this problem of nine weddings that rob's got to deal with in quite a short space of time is that something that the, the data is showing up
3: yes yeah, so so first up lucky rob he's got a very exciting summer coming up with with nine or eight of the greatest parties he'll ever go to most people go to about 30 weddings in their life 20 of those will be earlier in their life, and 10 of those will generally be their kids and their kids' friends. So what often happens is couples go through a sort of demographic stage, well, they'll have one of these very busy summers. I remember the summer I got married in, we actually had 12 other weddings. 12. So we we felt like uh, you know, it was pretty crazy, but it was it was a one-off. So I think Rob should be comfortable knowing this unless he's incredibly popular, this should be quite a one-off and be the most he mm. ever goes to in one year.
1: Now, of course, there has been a bunching up effect during the pandemic. People haven't been able to get married and then they could, but the restrictions meant they could only have smaller weddings. So some people have delayed ceremonies. So that could perhaps be feeding in to, to the higher numbers of weddings that we are seeing this season. C-
3: completely. So this year's is the busiest year of weddings in history. Last year wasn't a full year of weddings, and most of those were postponed weddings off the back of the pandemic. And then this has been the first sort of cohort of people who've been waiting almost three years to get married. If you got engaged during the pandemic, most people are getting married this summer. So actually the average engagement length uh, pre-COVID was about 20 months. Now it's 31 months So these people have been engaged a a long time and there's been a big uh, sort of societal change of hybrid working and sort of uh, more as a hybrid life, which has moved weddings into midweek as well. Well, of course, you've got to use up your annual leave.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that comes with its own expense. And there's an opportunity cost, you know, annual leave means and and money on a wedding means less money for a holiday, whatever it might be. So, yeah, it's a difficult, difficult conundrum. Now, sticking with the money, Hamish, if
1: I had to wait a long time before I could seal the deal with my relevant other, are people spending more money on a wedding because they've had to wait for longer? Or, conscious of the fact that lots of other people are getting married, are they having less glamorous ceremonies so that the guests and people who are attending won't have to spend as much to take part?
3: What we actually see is two sides of that. So there's the one side where couples are willing to wait and often they do wait to have a longer time to save, to to spend on the wedding of, mm. of, their, of their dreams. Of their, that's one of the reasons engagements have extended. So even in a tough climate like this, the average spend on a wedding has increased sixteen percent year on year, even compared to last year. So couples are definitely spending more on. So that's above the rate of inflation. Above the rate hmm. of inflation, uh, the average amount people are spending on their venue has gone up twenty percent in a year. So so the average venue is now seven thousand nine hundred pounds. So a large amount of money. But at the same time, you see couples, are. there's a a trend of hyper-personalization. They care about every detail. They definitely care about their guests as well. And they care about all sorts of dimensions. So you'll see, and hopefully Rob's going to experience this, but a way that, both, you know, conscious for the couples and for their guests, is having gifts is becoming less common. Okay. And you don't need your first crock pot and your first sheets. You know, most couples have been living together for three and a half years when they get married. They've probably got too much stuff. They have a lot of stuff.
1: And have you got any data about what people are spending on the events in the build-up to the wedding, like the engagement party, the hen do, the stag do?
3: Yeah, we we have seen... uh, the rise of uh, a generation ago, a stag do, a bachelor party, was a few drinks the night before the wedding. Now, often it is a longer holiday, and is abroad a uh, quite a large number of them. What has also happened in that time, though, is couples are a lot older. So the average age in the eighties that a, that a woman would getting get married was twenty three. Wow. Now it's thirty one. So you imagine mm. disposable income of couples. And the average age for a man is thirty three so they have a lot more disposable income, their friends have more disposable income. There's also an experience economy where people spend a lot more on experiences than on than on on products these days, and that all combines to what becomes these these the bigger mm. occasions of of stagdus and Hindus being abroad and also multi day weddings now of Maybe we're doing a barbecue the next day or a, a dinner the night before, mm. which also, you know, compounds costs.
1: Well, it all adds up to considerable pressure to spend, of course, Alice. And I mean, your Instagram account, GoFundYourself, I said in my book, it's my favourite Instagram Thank account. You. And the reason for that is, is that you have so many confessions, the things that people really want to say, but just don't feel they can because money is a, a taboo, but also because These sorts of conversations, like I can't afford to go to your wedding, are just so difficult to have. But tell us about some of the things that people have been telling you.
0: Yeah, so one of the... One of the big kind of themes that I see is this feeling of obligation. Hmm. There, there is a sense that you have to spend money on someone's wedding or Hindu do, stag do, and that if you don't, there's sometimes consequences. You're rejecting um, the friendship. Yeah, uh, and that can cause, and we've seen this in in you know plenty of the confessions where someone has got really upset that they haven't been able to, you know, afford their friend's Hindu. they can't afford to go away for the whole weekend, and then it's caused tension. And it's even in some cases, um, there was one story of of someone who became so overwhelmed at the cost, I think it was getting up to sort of £1,500 for a, a weekend away Hindu that they actually just kind of ghosted their friend. That actually made me cry
1: because... Yeah. She revealed in it that she then didn't speak to that friend for a decade. Yeah. So they had a really close friendship, but just because of something as stupid as money, yeah. that friendship was 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 lost. I mean, hopefully they'll be able to, so. to, to get back together. That was the nice part at the yeah. at the end of the post. But how can we approach these conversations with our nearest and dearest I mean I would say the cost of living crisis is a great excuse you know this is something that's affecting millions of people it shouldn't come as a surprise to married couples if people say I literally can't can't afford to come
0: absolutely and and I think it really comes down to a perhaps overused term these days which is boundaries and financial boundaries and i think firstly you know i, I don't want to just put all the responsibility on whoever's getting married ultimately there is still a responsibility on on you as a guest to think okay what what can i afford and what do i actually want to spend this year and and really sort of taking a step back and challenging is this the right financial decision for me and then it's about communicating that on the other side in communicating that I I think there is a need for the people getting married to receive that communication well and not be kind of pissed off about it, basically.
1: And Hamish, with all the work that you're doing with with Bridebook to help people plan their weddings, are budget considerations for the guests something that couples are taking account of? And if so, how are they changing their their wedding arrangements to, to reflect that?
3: Yeah, understanding guest costs and and advice we give on guest costs. Really, there are a few things. One, uh, destination weddings is the most expensive uh, way of... So this is when you get married overseas. You get married abroad is hugely expensive for your guests. That's actually sort of uh, declining in popularity. So that's one that, that definitely helps. Another piece we see is them having sensitivity and understanding of their guests, such as Maybe we'll provide childcare at the wedding. More and more guests have children, oh. and actually having someone else who can bring children, but they're going to be, you know, out of the main party. But maybe we just have a children's entertainer, a room they can, you know, hide away in. This is another hidden cost of of attending weddings:
1: either convincing a family member or having to pay for somebody to look after your children because I mean I've had one invite for for a wedding this
0: summer that clearly points out that children are not allowed. Yeah and and actually on the other end of the spectrum I think something that we're saying is and particularly amongst my friends who aren't in relationships they are then having to kind of uh, put up the, the cost of attending a wedding the accommodation themselves which becomes really expensive and you can kind of see how there's a bit of resentment there because you you know you're single and you're having to be there for friends weekend after weekend and and spending a huge amount of money on on the whole affair
1: yeah it's there, there's lots of different emotions i think it's fair to say that are that are, that are connected up here with the, with those money arguments Let's talk a little bit more about hen and stag dues now, because these seem to be one of the bigger areas for resentment. But
3: is this something that you're seeing people spend less on or not do so much of? So definitely the cost on these occasions has been increasing significantly over the sort of recent generation. I think short-haul travel and cheaper travel gives the impression it's very easy to go you know, out of the country very quickly. But like, if you're going to the pub in Berlin it's going to cost a lot more than going to your local pub. Also, people have much larger friendship groups than a generation ago, is that partly a function yes. of social media? Exactly, it's easier to keep in so touch with people, lots of are, people. People are more in touch, and they're also older. They're about a decade older, so they have more connections. It's not I'm just leaving the family home for the first time and getting married. It's I've had a decade of a career and a and a and a lifestyle and have a lot of connections, and then there's this uh, vicious circle where. The more people who are invited on your stag, the more likely you're going to be invited on their stag, and the same with wedding guests. And what about
1: Hindus? I mean, there is an element of forced fun, I would say, yeah. with these things. It's like you were saying at the, at the top of the show: the sort of expectations that you will do certain things and behave in certain ways.
0: Yeah, and a lot of a lot of uh, plastic and and questionably shaped straws if you know you know but yeah I think I think one of the challenges is that it's not necessarily the bride or the groom that's that's kind of organizing it it's often their very closest friend who Mm. is perhaps absolutely delighted to spend you know a couple of grand on a on a trip to wherever but the kind of tangential friends perhaps less less keen to a couple of things that I've seen work really well Mm. of what you can do is if you are kind of really love the idea of having a multi-day hen for example then having multiple elements to it that people can kind of pick and choose so they don't have to do the full away they can go to the brunch or the dinner and and there's kind of options of how much you actually spend another idea that's that's really useful for the maid of honor for example is to to put out an anonymous poll to get a sense of how much guests are actually able to spend Mm. because i think often it's you know you might have a, a decent sized income but not have a sense of what everyone else might be willing or able to to spend or oh, indeed so, like rob what they're saving what, exactly they're and what their financial guns. priorities are exactly so putting out some kind of anonymous poll enables people to then communicate what they're actually able to spend that weekend and i think that or that that evening for example and i think that can help with the planning process of making sure it's accessible
1: Do you think that social media is responsible for kind of changing the way that we're doing weddings nowadays and kind of expectations
3: Uh, so i'd say it's almost fully responsible okay where where since the arrival of social media it's about uh, 10 15 years ago the average spend on a wedding has doubled (gasps) so That is due to rising uh, inspiration and basically expectations. So if you think 20 years ago, the only people who would see your wedding photos are those who saw your physical wedding album. The only inspiration you could see is a couple of wedding magazines in WH Smiths. Now, I think Pinterest has 30 billion wedding photos on it. You know, Instagram has, you know, a gazillion more and TikTok, I'm sure, has even more. So suddenly that inspiration... Has gone through the roof. At the same time, the amount of people who are going to see your wedding has gone through the roof. Your wedding photo is going to be your cover photo and your profile photo and your most light photo you ever post. And you know, photography is incredibly important now. Everyone's you know aware of photography because of you know the iPhone's latest camera or whatever. So uh, that has also raised peer pressure and Mm. social pressure, where even if you wanted a very small wedding suddenly it's not just the guests who are sitting, you're like, oh, goodness, like everything's very visible, which has put a lot of pressure on couples. <laughs>
1: okay, so lots of tips for potential couples who are planning a wedding, listening to the to the show can take away. But are there any tips that you'd each like to share about how people who are getting married, like Robbie's planning to get married, hopefully in a couple of years' time, how they can bring down the costs of a wedding or at least contain them?
3: Yeah, I I think... The main one is choosing your date as a tip, your top tip, choosing the date. If you get married on a Saturday, if you decide to move to the Friday, you'll save about 30% on the cost of your venue. Three zero. Three zero. Gosh. If you move to Wednesday, you'll probably save another 30%. Wow. And that's very or much more socially acceptable in the sort of remote world now. So choosing that date. if you then move from summer into a sort of Hump month, as they're often called, so maybe March or April or October, and you know, hopefully the weather's still good enough. You're going to save a significant amount again. If you get married in London, it's going to be fifty percent more than the national average. If you're, you know, if you, if you're going in a more rural location, all of this has huge impacts as you go through. it. No,
1: they all sound great. I mean, I have to say, Alice, one of the posts that was on your GoFundYourself account was talking about in praise of the village hall wedding, doing a much smaller wedding deliberately in order to save everybody money. Because some of those things that Hamish mentioned, they might save the couple money getting married on a Wednesday or picking a rural location over a city centre one. But that's actually going to transfer some of the cost to the guests in terms of having to book off holiday or hotel rooms in remote places
0: yeah and I think there's some of us that probably secretly wish that we were in that kind of lockdown situation of having to being forced to have a smaller wedding I think there was actually something really great about that whereas now I think we're out the other side it's sort of all gone back to normal in some senses but I think you know I think it's about really thinking about what's right for you. And if that means a big blowout wedding, that's absolutely fine. But just don't resent your friends if they say, actually I can't I can't come or I can't make it. I think that's the key.
1: Mm, no, very good advice there. And Hamish, do you have any other tips that you would like to add. I mean, one of the things that Rob has said that he really doesn't want to do is what he called the DIY wedding, when you know people come together and different people do do different bits. And I have to say my own wedding, which was 12 years ago, was pretty DIY. I had lots of friends mucking in, my friends who play in a band obviously were there. So I saved money on not having to to, to pay for professional entertainers. And lots of people turned up and sang, which is like what we wanted Wanted people to do. So the DI route suit the DIY route suited me, but it won't necessarily suit everyone else because there's often a lot of hidden time involved in, in preparing all of these things.
3: Yeah, so so I think it it completely depends on yourself. I think Rob had a, a great point of prioritizing what's important to you. I think you mentioned food in the band was important to them, and maybe your aunt can make the cake and it's it's just going to be a photo. Or that might be something you want to spend a lot of money on is really important to you and they're incredible cake makers everywhere. The wedding I'm going to this weekend on Saturday is 100% DIY. The guests are bringing everything and it is a very uh, sustainable, socially conscious wedding. And literally the uncle has brewed the beer and someone else is doing every single item of the wedding, which is going to be great fun and it's, wonderfully exciting that suits them but again it's down to prioritizing what's important to you and not feeling you have to keep up appearances or do something that that's not a you. it's your wedding it is only about you it's your day do it your way and and really take some time and thinking what's important to you and you know you can listen to other opinions but really the only opinions that matter is, is you and your partner and have a wonderful time whether that's in Vegas or in a village hall, or you're renting an amazing castle.
1: Well, a really great point to make there. So hopefully people who've been listening got lots and lots of tips for saving money. We'll pass those back to Rob too. But thank you very much for joining me today, Hamish, from Bridebook.
3: Thank you very much for being here.
1: And Alice Tapper, the creator of Go Fund Yourself. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And well, thank you very much for sharing those financial confessions. That's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week. And we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, please spread the word and leave us a review. We're always looking to chat with people about their money issues for the show. If you're interested in being part of a future episode and want some expert advice, then email us, our address, money at ft.com you could also take a peek at our website ft.com slash money grab a copy of the ft weekend newspaper or follow me on instagram i'm at claire b and alice tapper is at GoFundYourself. yourself money clinic was produced in london by persis love our sound engineer is breen turner and our editor is manuela saragossa you heard original tunes this week by metaphor music And finally, our usual disclaimer the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's all the small print for now. See you back here next week. Goodbye.
3: Small details are big surfaces.